I'm Allegra. And I'm Maddie. We're two sophomores at Georgetown University who major in classics and regional and comparative studies respectively, but we are united in our love for economics. So without further ado, welcome to the first installment of our podcast, Breaking Down Economics. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how the pandemic has affected individual supply curves through allowing more people to work from home. We're going to be diving into the opportunity cost, rational rule, and individual work uh, supply curves. Now let's get started. Many have returned to offices as we have learned to live with the pandemic. However, some firms have chosen to allow workers to work from home on a permanent or semi-permanent basis in light of the success of virtual work done in lockdown. As a result, the nine to five in an office has become no longer necessary for a great deal of people. I, for one, have found that I am enjoying taking many of my classes virtually, even though much of campus has returned to in-person learning. So I can see how this could apply to office workers. The statistic we're looking at today is that nearly 6 out of 10 workers reported being more productive working from home than they expected. Why would this be? We've examined the pros and cons of working from home or at the office to break this down. Virtual work offers flexibility and for many negates the transit to an office. The cost of gas or public transportation, annoying colleagues in your carpool group, and even time away from home contribute to the desirability of more hours spent working at home. The growth of Zoom and other online video conferencing applications has made it 10 times easier to sit in bed with your coffee, only have dress for your meetings. There's no need for uncomfortable high heels or tight suits when your work life doesn't move past your couch. Plus, you have far more energy when you're not depleting it with a lengthy commute or the burden of having to maintain a professional working demeanor for eight hours a day. This is energy that you can then channel into your work instead boosting productivity, which is highly beneficial for the firms who employ these workers. The benefits of that, one, gains from working and working at home could motivate workers to be more productive in order to incentivize their employers to keep these options available to them past the point of necessary for maintaining public health. But it isn't all wonderful working from home. You lose quite a bit as well. By no longer going into the office, you could be alone in your tiny apartment with your annoying roommates for weeks on end with no respite. What if you have to move back in with your parents? What happens if your Wi-Fi goes out unexpectedly in in an extremely important meeting? Everything that we're talking about above are examples of opportunity costs. Maddie, could you define that for us, please? Sure. The opportunity cost of working is everything that you do when you're not working. The implication of that is choosing the number of hours you work is basically equivalent to choosing your hours of leisure. For example, when I'm thinking about whether I should go to the SIGEP formal tonight or the Corp Gala, I'm not just thinking about the monetary costs and the benefit of the tickets. I'm also thinking about the experience that I would miss out on by choosing to go to one party or the other. The opportunity cost of going to the SIGEP formal is missing out on the fun that I could be having at the Corp Gala. It's difficult to quantify, but still very important to consider when weighing the costs and benefits of a decision. Now. How do we use these costs and benefits, Allegra? I'm not sure how to decide how much I should be working. Well, we're going to use the rational rule for this. We should keep doing X as long as the marginal benefit is greater than or equal to the marginal cost, with the goal of maximizing economic surplus. I'm constantly tired, and I want to buy another coffee for mug, but I won't drink more than two cups per day because then the personal cost to me of being too caffeinated outweighs the benefit I get of being energized. The people who get to work from home, they'll work one more hour as long as the wage is at least as large as the marginal benefit of another hour of leisure. Using the rational rule to evaluate all of our costs and benefits of working, we actually see two trends. As wages go up, people tend to work longer hours because leisure time becomes more and more expensive. 
This is shown to be the substitution effect. However, as your income increases, many people work less hours because the value of leisure goes up since you have more disposable income. Using this disposable income for leisure can be seen in going on multiple vacations, setting your own hours for work, golfing, or spending time with your family. We can now build our own individual supply curves based on our own costs and benefits of working. Looking back at our statistic, we can see that the income effect outweighs the substitution effect because people have decided to work more from home when they have the ability to. Across the board, we can see that people are weighing the costs and benefits of working from home even if they're not explicitly thinking of the rational rule or opportunity costs or leisure time. The constant question, what works best for me, fundamentally is an economics question. It's a question of willingness to pay. Whether we know it or not, we're all seeking to maximize our economic surplus with each decision that we make. And that's it from us today. We hope you learned something interesting about economics that you wouldn't otherwise have known. Tune in next week to hear us blabber on about the costs and benefits of blind dates.